Welcome to the Crazy Chester Radio Hour. My name is Andreas Warner. I'm a record producer, songwriter, and owner of Crazy Chester Records. My guest today is my good friend, Tommy Talton. This is part two of our conversation that we started in the last episode of the Crazy Chester Radio Hour. If you missed it, make sure to check it out as well. Now let's get back to our conversation. Start it off, Tommy. Back with Tommy Tolton, we left off at the end of the in late June back. of 1978. No, 74. 74. So uh, after that, studio work and live work with Cowboy continued, and you'd also record a fourth album that came out as Cowboy. Yeah, that was produced by our friend Steve. Uh, Steve Sam Whiteside. May he rest in peace. He was a wonderful man. Yeah, that was called Cowboy. And uh, that was done in 77. And that was about when Capricorn was headed for its uh, first... The end of its first chapter. The end of its first demise, I suppose. So. So there was that album, but then there was more session work for you too. You... You did a, a project with Paul Butterfield? Yeah, up at Woodstock. Um, I went up and, uh, let me see, um, my friend Ben Keith, who um, Ben, you know, had played with Neil Young a lot and uh, with Tim Drummond. And Tim and I were pretty good friends. And they brought me in to join them in Woodstock with uh, to do some sessions. Ben Keith was going to produce, did produce, and we did some uh, songs with Paul Butterfield, uh, Tim Drummond, Ben Keith, me, uh, Chris Parker on drums, and uh, Ben producing, and uh, it was they were fun, great, sessions the little bit we played we did we didn't we uh did a lot of good timing but not a whole lot of we did the music you know but uh it didn't turn out to it wasn't well received by albert gross grossman who was of course managing butterfield and 
owned the entire town of Woodstock. And Bearsville Records. And Bearsville Records, where we were recording it and all that. So, anyway, it was a couple weeks and uh, fun and wonderful working with those guys. There, there was another project. Was, I think it was a Corky Lane uh, yeah. project who was in Mountain. Yeah, Corky played drums in the... West Bruce and Lang, West Corky Bruce. Lang, yeah, uh, Mountain, and uh, Corky came to uh, Macon and recorded. And he had some uh, unknown British guitar player with him too, didn't he? You talking about Eric Clapton? Oh, that that yeah, right. Yeah, I'm... no, he didn't have him with him actually, but um, we were doing. Uh, Corky, by the way, didn't want to play any drums on his solo album. He wanted to do the Corky Lang album with his songs and him playing acoustic guitar. And uh, that's what we were doing. And we were in the middle one night of uh, doing some, uh, one of his tunes. We were working on something. And uh, Eric Clapton, Eric had, had, I think he had a gig that he had done that night in Atlanta. And he and uh, Corky knew each other well. And Corky said, why don't you come down here, you know? And so uh, later on that night, uh, after Eric finished playing his gig in Atlanta, him with Patty Boyd, Miss Layla, they came down in, to Macon and uh, Eric played on a tune with us, you know? Real nice. We had fun. He and I had fun. I, I, I can't even tell you what went down with some of that stuff because it was, it's just uh, better left alone. But it was, it wasn't anything bad. It was fun. It was, but um, Eric was real nice. I, you know, I had a solo on the song that we were working on when, when he arrived and and I said, Eric, you want to play the solo on this? He said, Oh no, no, no! It's your, you, you're, you're the guitar player on this one. I'm just sitting in. I'll play rhythm, and uh, let's do it. And uh, there were other memorable sessions, as you said earlier. You know, sometimes one project might be an extension of another one, and uh, some more memorable uh, records. You ended up playing acoustic on the song Pony Boy on the. Brothers and Sisters album by yeah, Dickie. Dickie asked me to uh, join him on that. Um, he had he played the dobro on that, and he. I love that tune, and, uh, and yeah, did. I played the acoustic uh, rhythm on that with him, and uh, I thought I played on something else on there, but I don't remember what now. And you played on his first solo album too. Yeah. And uh, there's some other, a little more, uh, I always thought it was kind of interesting or odd that Kitty Wells will come down to Capricorn to cut a record. How yes, I know. Kitty, Kitty and it was Wells her, record? yeah, Kitty Wells, uh, she was already, she had already done, at that point in time, I heard the number 43 albums. And uh, her husband was her manager and she, uh, I don't know, I guess he was thinking with this Southern thing happening, uh, Southern rock thing was this new musical wonder. And uh, 
he as her manager thought you need to break out of Nashville and it was the first time she'd ever recorded outside of Nashville actually I think and uh, it was a it was a joy working with her she was a wonderful sweet woman it was a version of Bob Dylan's Forever Young yeah that was my actually my idea for for that uh, what happened was um, while in Atlanta doing the cover the photo cover for um, the photo session for the cover of the Boyer and Talton album I met a guy uh, he was uh, down from New York um, the photographer was uh, Al Clayton uh, a wonderful man and uh, I have since become friends with his daughter Jenny uh, but um, she's a great photographer in her own right but uh, her father you should google Al Clayton photographer sometime there's way too much to even tell you how, how much he'd done but we were at his studio and um, and uh, the director or designer was brought down his name was Richard Mantell and he was brought down from New York and uh, he was kind of like the director and Al was the actual photographer that set up the scenes and did what the designer asked and I must say it was a, it's a cool cover the, the way it turned out um, but while while uh, on on break during the, the photo session I was talking to Richard and uh, we were talking about our favorite album covers and I said wow one of my favorites have you ever seen I said Richard have you ever seen the cover of Thelonious Monk's uh, underground album he said yeah I, I have seen that it's great he said uh, in fact I won a Grammy for for doing that one <laughs> I said are you joking he said no he said I designed that cover check that out sometime Everyone out there, Google Thelonious Monk Underground. Check out that album cover. It's wonderful. Um, so many things to see in that photograph. It's just wonderful the way it looks. But that that's one of my favorite album covers. And it turned out that uh, Richard, um, who designed that cover, had somehow with him, he had a test pressing of Bob Dylan's Planet Waves album it had not even been released yet I don't remember how he turned up with that maybe he was working with Dylan on some photographic design or something I don't know but uh, he gave me this test pressing of Planet Waves and uh, I took it back to Macon with me from Atlanta and was playing it and digging it and all that and forever young that's that was the original re, uh you know the release of that song that has been done so many times now but that was the no one had heard it at that time and we were doing the kitty wells album at that time and i said johnny who was producing you know i think it'd be cool if we you know could get her to do this song this new Bob Dylan song that really has not been released yet. 
and uh, we did it. I think we even put a rush on it, kind of like Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young put the rush on Ohio to get it out because it was so pertinent to the times. They got that record out, I think, in two or three days. But um, there was some kind of rush put on a single by Kitty Wells doing Forever Young at the time, too. Because, as I said, Dylan, had I don't think his album was released yet with that on it. Yeah. Somebody else you worked with, I guess, around the same time was Billy Joe Shaver. How did that oh, come Oh, yeah. Out? Yeah, that was really fun. Did he come down to Macon, too? To yeah. Macon? He was down... Uh, he came to Macon with Bob Johnson, producer. Uh, Bob produced... Uh, the Highway 61 Revisited with Bob Dylan and uh, Good Guy. And we did uh, Billy Joe. I don't remember the which title we did that first session. I forget the title of uh, that particular album. But uh, it was a hoot to do that. I remember right at the beginning when we were deciding, well, Bob and and Billy Joe were deciding. We were just hired guns, ready to play whatever they needed us to. Bob said, well, Billy Joe, which songs are we doing? Billy Joe had a long old legal pad sheet of paper, you know, um, and had song titles all the way down one side and three quarters of the way down the other side of just titles and uh, of, new, of songs that he wanted to record. Bob would say, well, what do you think? Should we do Thunderbird? And, oh yeah, we gotta do that one. We, we can't leave that one off. What about uh, Honky Tonk Heroes? Oh yeah, I think we need to do that one too. It went all the way down the list. There wasn't a one that Billy Joe thought we shouldn't do, you know. So. Bob had to take that into his own hands and just uh, forget about asking Billy Joe. So we had a time, we had a hoot doing that music. And Billy Joe, I'm real fortunate to have become a good friend of his since then. In fact, I wrote a tune about him. The man from down near Waco is uh, inspired by Billy Joe. It's about how he affected me and what a wonderful man he is, what a great spirit. Uncomplicated, straight from the heart. Um, in fact, speaking of heart, the movie uh, Crazy Heart, I would say that's about Billy Joe too. Okay. I would say Jeff Bridges' uh, character, not many would argue that that's pretty much Billy Joe. Okay, yeah. Uh, did Johnny Rivers come down to Capricorn too? Johnny Rivers came down and he had a song. Uh, he was jumping on that Southern rock bandwagon like everybody was at that time. And uh, he had a song called Georgia Peach. We recorded that one song and zip, he was gone. Okay. But somebody else he did more work with was Bonnie Bramlett. Oh, Bonnie. And who's yes. still a friend. Well, Bonnie was out. Uh, Bonnie. We were all very close, and she was out on the road with Cowboy, you know. We would back her up, and she would sing with us. And she recorded It's Time on 
one she of her albums. Well, that was the title of the album, Scott's song, It's Time, yeah. Great version she sang. And then towards the end of Capricorn, and you mentioned it earlier briefly, you along Bill Stewart and Johnny Sandlin put out an album called Happy to Be Alive. Yeah, that was actually... six that I believe was not really... You started that without an album in mind. It was just different sessions. Yeah, things. it was just something that happened. Uh, again, that's why I, I continue to say it was such a, a wonderful time because things like that would happen. Um, we were, me, Johnny, and Bill Stewart sitting in the studio uh, and uh, I believe we were waiting for Dickie uh, to come in and overdub some guitar on Ramblin' Man or something, uh, Blue Sky, and uh, we were waiting and waiting and uh, Dickie got hung up doing something and uh, Johnny said, well, we're all here, me, him, and Bill, and uh, he said, Tommy, you got any new stuff? I said, yeah, here's one. Showed it to him. We went out, literally, got up, went out, mic'd up the acoustic, and drums were already mic'd, ready to go, and uh, Johnny picked up the bass, and we recorded a song that I had written called Help Me Get It Out, and uh, recorded it very quickly and the next day Johnny showed it to Phil Walden and um, Phil said man I like that why don't you guys just go ahead and do an album so there we went and it it essentially was an album of uh, I think it was all my songs except for uh, Johnny wanted to do working in a coal mine and uh, so we did that one, and it was different. We actually did that. Uh, we recorded that whole album, I believe, in, uh, it must have been, I don't know when it, when we could have fit it in, but it was sometime in 74 when we weren't doing the laid back tour. Somehow we fit it in then, because I remember we flew out to L.A. to do the cover for that one. And I remember seeing a uh, date of like 1975 when it was released. So it had to be recorded in late 74, early 75, somewhere around there. I think Wikipedia has the actual facts on that. Okay. And you guys went out and did a few shows too as as TSS TSS well TSS TSS uh, was a band for a small while in out of Macon Bill Stewart on drums and myself and a great guitar player named Richie Kicklider and a wonderful organist keyboard player uh, many people know Neil Larson and uh, a bass player from Macon there a local Maconite named Calvin Arline, very soulful bass player, who was also the father of 11 children. He and his wife, uh, what else could they do? They, they also ran a nursery. <laughs> I think half the, uh, half the kids at the nursery were Their theirs. 
and somebody else you told me showing you guys too occasionally in what Buzzy Feeton uh, Buzzy Buzzy didn't play with TSS no Buzzy joined us on the laid back tour a couple okay. of times uh, he did not join us on stage but we played around together at sound checks and stuff like that and hung out when we were out in California we hung with Buzzy uh, a lot up in the hills hills of Hollywood and the uh, in Malibu but it was quick we were moving th we were moving awful fast back then as I said 35 cities in 50 days doesn't give you much time to stay in one place yeah uh, actually just yesterday we talked about Little Feet and Lowell George and you became friends with him too I guess while on the road with them um, actually uh, we met before we'd ever done a gig together um I met uh, Lowell at a place called Richard's uh, that was a rocking place back in the early 70s in Atlanta. It was the place to play back then. And uh, that's where we met. And uh, later on it turned out that uh, we were Cowboy and Little Feet. Cowboy, Little Feet, and Marshall Tucker played a lot together. but. I remember the first time Cowboy played with Little Feet was in Houston, and uh, Little Feet was a four-piece then with uh, Roy Estrada on bass, the uh, a former Mothers of Inventionist, Lowell as Lowell was. Yeah. yeah, that was a great band. Yeah, and obviously you both were, you know, great slide players. Did you ever like talk about? playing guitar or was it more just a no. friendship no we didn't we did uh no it's, i don't do that much I, I never have you know with with guitar players i i, I don't ever talk, you know you mean things like well how do you how'd you do this or what did you yeah you know? what kind of tuning are you using well i yeah i have we have there are many discussions about what kind of tuning was that but uh not much on technique or anything, you know, just mostly with Lowell, uh, Lowell and I, it was mostly just about how much we loved, uh, we would talk about lyrics and just simple song structure and um, studio recording techniques and ideas and uh, that was that took up hours of conversation. I think it was in uh, 77 when Cowboy had just recorded that Cowboy album that you, we were talking about earlier with Sam Whiteside, our last album for Capricorn. And uh, I was living in Magnolia Springs, Alabama at the time uh, with Chip Miller, our drummer. And uh, I remember uh, while off the road there, I was ta I was on the phone with Lowell. He was in the studio in Louisiana, and uh, he was recording his solo album, Thanks, I'll Eat It Here. And it wasn't long after that that, um, well, it was three years later, but 
that he was gone while on tour for that album after it came out. So uh, that first Life of Cowboy in the 70s came to an end towards the end of the 70s, right? Yeah. Like in 79, I was out in Austin, Texas, uh, producing uh, a talented songwriter out there named Stephen Doster. I was asked to uh, come out there and help put a recording together for him in the studio and uh, he was good he, he, he still does it uh, I believe he sent me just a couple years ago I got some some of his latest stuff uh, we've gotten back in contact with each other in fact I need to call Steve I'll call you I'll call you right after you hear this recording <laughs> and if not call me <laughs> yeah if not call me so what, how or why did, did that cowboy thing end then? Was that like, had that something to do with the demise of Capricorn and you guys uh, not being on a label? Or? We had been, in 75 it broke up for a while and, um, you know, the personnel had been changing every six or seven months and it was just a, a time thing. It was time to move on. Again, no animosity or anything, just it's the way it goes. Yeah. That's the way the that's the way things change. Change happens. Yeah. And while it's not quite the end of the cowboy story either, uh you certainly were done for a while. And I don't quite have a, a timeline for this, but I'm just gonna throw a few projects at you that you were part of one was 360 can you tell me a little bit about yeah that was in atlanta again with bill stewart on drums joe rudd uh, a great guitar player from tuscaloosa alabama and another tuscaloosa musician court pickett uh sang and played bass he He was was in sailcat too uh court was also in sailcat uh johnny wiker's Fantasy Child Band. It was Sailcat. Was all his. Uh, it, he even had a uh, a comic strip idea to go along with it. The comic book. He was a. Uh, he was quite the creator. Um, and you got Johnny Wiker. Yeah, and you ended up writing a song with him too. Hard driving man. Yeah. Yeah, he had this. He had two lines, and they were great. To this tune, uh, I'm rolling like a freight train, thundering through a cold rain, higher than a jet plane, hotter than a blue flame. I'm a hard driving man, doing the best I can. And uh, whenever I was driving through Decatur, Alabama, and I was there to see Johnny, or or just passing through from Nashville to Atlanta, or whatever. I would stop by and spend a couple of days with Johnny. In fact, I was staying for the summer on Johnny's boat on the on the river there in Decatur. Um, the last time I talked to Lowell in 1980, um, Lowell and I had he was in D.C. and was going to Atlanta the next night on his tour for his uh, solo album, and uh, we had arranged to meet in Atlanta. And he never made it. 
But um, yeah, Weicker had these two lines to the song. and Every time I saw him, he said, listen to this. And he'd play me those two lines. I said, finally, I just said, Johnny, sit down, get a guitar out. I got mine with me. We're going to finish this song tonight. And uh, finally, after listening to those two lines for about three years, we finally worked it out. Yeah. Did 360, you guys went into the studio and record something that I... We went into Paul Hornsby's uh, studio, a makeshift studio, actually, in his house at the time, and recorded, uh, I think, four songs. Yeah, uh, we worked together... I don't even know how long. We we just did some Atlanta gigs and that was pretty much it. It was just kind of a passing fancy something to keep busy for a little while before yeah. moving on. What what about the convertibles? The convertibles uh, Scott and Topper Price had already been playing in that band and um they were playing at a joint in Montgomery, Alabama, and uh, he told the owner there about me, apparently, and and uh, Johnny Sullivan, wonderful friend of ours, uh, owned the place, and he said, "Well, get him, get him to come on over and let's rock." So that's how I I started driving from Atlanta over to Montgomery and and uh, playing with them. Of course, the first night I was supposed to be there, uh, I was driving, hadn't even gotten out of the Atlanta city limits, and got stopped for an expired tag and uh, put in jail. So I didn't show up that night, and they had to send, uh, I think that they sent the money for me to get out and pay for that so I could get over the next night and play the gig. But that was how I was introduced to Johnny Sullivan. I was uh, fresh out of jail the first mm -hmm. night I played at his place. Did you guys cut some demos at Muscle Shoals Sound with the convertibles? Or were you yes. not in the band when they did? Yeah, we did some when Richard Bell was in the... Uh, I brought Richard into the, into the convertibles. Uh, we had been... We knew each other from the Atlanta scene. And uh, yeah, we did some demos at the new Muscle Shoals Sound, which is now Cypress Studios. Cypress Moon. It's yeah. the I mean, Cypress Moon. And uh, yeah, it was the old National Guard Armory. And uh, Muscle Shoals Sound had moved from the old Jackson Highway address where you did to there, Cowboy Out. Where we did Five Will Get You Ten. Well, and so many other things were done there, of course. Yeah. Uh, but you, at the second location of Muscle Show Sound, you recorded some, I guess, essentially publishing demos. Yeah, AD? I did. I, I signed uh, a uh, individual songs uh publishing contract with Muscle Shoals Sound Publishing uh, 
which was David Hood, Roger Hawkins, Barry Beckett, and uh, Jimmy Johnson, and uh, me and uh, Roger and David, David Hood, Roger Hawkins, and I uh, went into the studio a couple times over there and recorded six songs that I'd signed to have them publish for me. And two of them um, turned out to be quite a good deal that I'd done that because uh, they played them for Levon Helm when he came into town to record there. Uh, and uh, Jimmy Johnson was producing it. And uh, they did two of my songs out of those six that they showed him. And uh, That was the Got Song and Give a Little Bit. The Got Song and Give a Little Bit. Yeah. So... Did you already know Levon at that point? No, I, I didn't. I, I had been listening intently to everything the band did since 1969 when I lived in L.A. when music from Big Pink was put out. And uh, had actually at the time uh, had some close contacts. Uh, people that, that I knew knew them, but we never crossed paths. But... Uh, when they first played, went out on tour for Music for Big Pink, they were playing in San Francisco, and we, uh, me and the people I were living was living with in L.A. and uh, another couple friends, we all went in a convoy up to San Francisco to see the band playing uh, all the music from Big Pink, and in fact, Ovi Sparks, who you know, was with us and. Uh, He, re he had a little portable Ewer, U-H-E-R, Ewer yeah. tape recorder, and uh, he taped their uh, show. And when we listened to it later, you know, because there was nothing to look at. There was no show. There was no choreography. Um, so it wasn't a visual thing uh, unless you, you know, It, it was enough for me, but it, it wasn't enough for most people, you know, for the people who wanted to see spandex and choreography. But, um, man, you listen back to that and you go, I went, wow. I knew, I knew I was liking it, but I had no idea they were sounding that good. You know, it was cool. Yeah. So how did you end up meeting him and some of those? Well, after like he recorded those two songs of mine... Um, I uh, went by to see David and Roger and Levon was still there and we were introduced and he was getting ready to go out and do a gig in Memphis and he said, Tommy, why don't you come on with me? Let's let's come to Memphis with me and we'll, I'll do my gig and I'd like you to come to the show. So I didn't have anything else to do so rode over to Memphis from Muscle Shoals and And then the next day, actually, uh, uh, he, they had a couple days off, and Levon, the wonderful human being that he was, uh, he said, Tommy, let's go down. I'll show you Helena. So we went down to Helena, Arkansas, his home base, and uh, he took me to his favorite barbecue joint, bought me a, a gallon of barbecue sauce, and Uh, a big old ham that had been smoking for hours and hours, 18 hours or something. 
And then uh, I said, well, Levon, I got to get back to Atlanta. Oh, come on. We're, we're going to, I forget, St. Louis or something. I said, no, nah, thanks, man. But I guess I could have just continued the trip, but I had things to do. And uh, it was great meeting him. And then you're... Friend Richard Bell and your other friend we haven't talked about Jimmy Weeder yeah. later became members of the band and I guess right. whenever they came through town you would oh yeah you would see him yeah and they played in Tampa when I was back down in Central Florida back in I don't know 1990 right before I moved to Europe they were playing in Tampa and I went over and saw them there that's the last time I saw the band the band by the time I got back from Europe, they didn't exist anymore. So you went to Europe, to Luxembourg, for for a good amount of time, and you had a band over there called the Rebelizers. Yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit about that band, and I know you guys ended up cutting a record over there, too. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I went over there because a, uh, I met a Belgian bass player named... Christian Janssen in Orlando at that same time uh, in around 1990. Uh, it was 91, I guess. It's hard to remember those years but right now, but um, Christian and I uh, hung out with each other for a couple days. He was on holiday from uh, Luxembourg with his girlfriend from Germany, and when he went back to Europe, he was playing with a guy named Matt Dawson, and uh, Matt was a uh, living in Luxembourg and was a songwriter. And uh, his his brother, by the way, Julian, um, yeah, I know Julian. did a lot in Nashville. And uh, Julian Dawson, but Matt was, uh, I think Julian's a younger brother. But anyway, uh, Christian said to Matt, "I met this guitar player when I was in America." We um, um, his name's Tommy Talton, and Matt said, are you kidding me? You met Tommy? He played on my favorite album of all time. And it happened to be, he loved the Laid Back album. He said, I wonder if we could get him to come over and tour with us for six weeks. And uh, they called me up, and I hadn't been to Europe at that time, believe it or not. And uh, I said, sure. I'll do it, and went over there. We rehearsed for a couple weeks, and then uh, did six weeks tour. And I met Peter Barron from England on the drums, who also plays with Albert Lee. And um, he was in a band called uh, Hogan's Heroes with the uh, pedal steel player Jerry Hogan. And that band with Mike Bell on piano, Hogan's Heroes, they back up. Albert Lee, whenever he does uh, Ireland, Finland, Luxembourg, France, England. Yeah. And uh, so that's where that whole connection went. And and when that tour was over with Matt, um, Peter on drums, Christian on bass, and myself, we didn't want to stop playing. So uh, Peter calls up his friend, piano player Mike Bell from London says uh, you want to join us and we'll start a band here in Luxembourg and 
we did that. And uh, believe it or not, this big cigarette conglomerate, cigarette company in, in Luxembourg um, at the time was um, giving out money to uh, different art um, projects, you know, and, and musical projects. And um, they gave us the money to, uh, didn't ask for anything back. They just wanted to donate money to somebody. And uh, they gave us the money to record this album. And we went to a little village called Schifflange in uh, Luxembourg and recorded what became an album called Someone Else's Shoes, which is the title to one of my songs. And uh, we called it The Rebelizers. That was in 1995. And didn't you also become the house band for a local TV show? Yes, Christian, the bass player, and I, uh, he, he found a gig uh, in Brussels. And uh, it's a two-hour drive from... Luxembourg City to Brussels, and uh, one summer, I think it was 97 or 98, we would drive over uh, every Thursday to uh, the place where the Atomium is, where the, I forget which World's Fair it was, the 1960 World's Fair? Yeah, I wouldn't know. Could have been 64. But anyway, there was a World's Fair in Brussels, and the Atomium was built for that. And uh, and on those grounds was what they had was uh, the American theater there. That uh, uh, there was an American exhibit there for the World's Fair, and they did television shows from that studio. And we became essentially, you know, the Paul Schaefer band type deal for the Letterman thing. We became that for these two Flemish guys who were hosting a uh, Flemish talk show called Summer Curin, which I believe means cure for summer. And it was fun. We'd go over every Thursday and we'd rehearse and go over, uh, go through the show, kind of a dress rehearsal thing um, with all the guests and we had to come up with songs that we would play as the guest was introduced, you know, um, as they walked from off stage to the to their seat. Yeah, cue music. And we would, uh, you know, depending on what the guest was, we would come up with songs to play for that fifteen-second walk. And I tell you, that was that's an amazing thing. It's a it's quite a discipline to it's a great discipline to learn man when you're when you're doing television shows like that the talk show uh band thing you have to uh sit there for what 10 15 minutes doing nothing and then boom uh when they introduce whatever and there's a break coming up or going to a commercial or a guest is coming out it's like from nothing for 10 minutes to boom, you've got 10 seconds to be right on it and you don't have time to warm up and work into a groove. It's like you got to be grooving from the instant you start. It's a really great discipline. I learned uh, a lot from that. Yeah. How long uh, did you end up 
staying in Europe? Most of the 90s, uh, well, I don't know, 93 to 2001, something like that. And then you came back and uh, released an, an American version of Someone Else's Shoes featuring yeah. some of those tracks and some different things. Yeah. And that was essentially the first album that had your name on it. That was a Tommy Tolton album. Yeah, that was the first real solo album. The TSS album was kind of a solo album, but uh, uh, because it was all my songs. But uh, yeah, that was the first real solo effort, as they say. And then the next one was a live record called Life Notes from Athens, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was fun, too. Uh, a lot of people tell me how much they love that the spirit of that album. Uh, everybody says they like to drive real fast and put it on loud and roll the windows down, which is a good compliment. Uh, but what's funny is uh, we were doing a set. Uh, the Tommy Talton band was doing a set at the oh the Foundry in uh, Athens, Georgia, and. Uh, when the night was over, um, Michael, one of the sound men, um, comes up to me and says, "Hey, by the way, if you if you want to use it, I uh, I happen to record that whole the whole night on my uh, laptop on Pro Tools, and it was sitting there waiting to be mixed, you know." So I said, "Yeah, great." So the whole time we were playing, we had no idea we were even re being recorded. And uh, I spent two or three days going over to Athens from from here at home in Marietta. And uh, we mixed it, me and Wes Delk and Michael Hughes, and uh, put it out. Yeah. That's the way to do it. Yeah. One night you'd, you don't have an album and then... Three days later, it's out. And sometimes it probably doesn't hurt not knowing that you're being recorded. Oh, it's it helps a lot. It's it eliminates a lot of uh, possible stress. Yeah. It shouldn't be any stress, but you can't help thinking. Don't screw this one up. Right. So, but then you went into the recording studio not too long after that to record a proper studio album called "Let's Get Out of Here." Yeah which is one of my favorites of yours. It has a your version of the song that Levon cut on it. Give a little bit. Yeah. And then you did another album called uh, Until After Then, which has the, the, the Billy Joel Shaver. Man from it. Down Near Waco. Yeah, those were done at uh, in Graysville, Alabama with David Keith at his studio there, uh, Gin Town Studios. Uh, he and I worked real well together. I liked uh, working with him there. And you got some of the Muscle Shoals session guys to come help you at uh, David Hood and Kelvin Holly and David Nancy Hood, Thurman. Kelvin, Billy Earhart from the Amazing Rhythm Aces and and many other groups. Uh, yeah, Kelvin Holly and uh, of course we're all pretty close friends, and I'm thankful that they wanted to come down and help yeah and your most recent solo album somewhere south of Eden came out a couple of years ago yeah 
that one was done different than anything I've ever done. I, I started Brian Owings on drums, uh, and I, uh, Brian's such a great drummer. He plays with, uh, well, he and him and Tony Joe White. Um, it's great. Tony Joe White, his wah-wah pedal, and Brian Owings on drums, and yeah. that's it. Just the yeah. two of them. Touring, they went around the world doing it. They did, that. and and he, it was Tony Chow called him Fleetwood Cadillac. That was his nickname. That's what he called Brian. Yeah, I I I agree, because I love Fleetwoods. I've had three. And then you built the tracks. From yeah, well, them. I I asked Brian. I said, "Here's what we'll do, Brian. You find a bass player that wants to do it. Tell him about me and and." Uh, you find somebody that you like playing with and uh, we'll do it. Just the three of us lay down basic tracks and, and we did that. We, we cut 10 basic tracks, the three of us, in um, two days uh, up at David Pinkston's studio at his house called Boomtown Recorders. And David and is somebody else David who goes is, back way back David goes to back to the... Uh, Mid seventies with Capricorn, and uh, that's where we met um, so many years ago. Uh, but that was a strange way to record because some of these songs that I went up and did with Brian and and Chris Donahue, I don't know if we mentioned his name, but they both play. of them play with Emmy Lou Harris's band, and uh, and Chris uh, has a mile long uh, list of accolades and awards and such great bass player and uh, musician but uh, half the songs had no lyrics and uh, a couple of them didn't even have structure and uh, we all just sat there with headphones on and I would play acoustic on the scratch track and uh, I would speak to Brian and Chris as we went along saying all right, let's go to a verse here, and here's the solo section. Let's bring it up a bit, you know. Uh, all right, dynamically, let's pull down here and go into a interlude before the last verse, you know. Uh, I had never done it that way before. And then you and, and I don't want to do it to again. those tracks, huh? And then you would write to those tracks. And then I would write lyrics to those, uh, to those, yeah, architectures. And uh, later on have the wonderful Steve Kahn on uh, keyboards. He played on four or five tracks, organ uh, and accordion. And uh, John Ginty played on uh, a song called Waiting on the Saints. Uh, he put some growling organ on uh, on that tune. Ike Stubblefield uh, here in Georgia, unbelievable B three player. He um, he played on one of the tracks, "I Surrender," and uh, which, by the way, Spooner Oldham and I kind of wrote together. Uh, we started it, and then I finished it off, and. I don't think Spooner even remembered that we'd written it because <laughs> it had been so long. Yeah. And I said, Spooner, remember that song we were messing around with? Uh, 
17 years ago, something like that. No, I don't. Well, anyway, you're half writer on it. I'm, I'm putting you down. But Ike Stubblefield put some organ on that, and um, I put electric guitars on it and sang it, and uh, got Deborah Reese, a singer here in town, Atlanta, to help me on a couple songs with harmonies, and Jeff Mosier, wonderful banjo player and bluegrass player. He was in Bruce Hampton's original Aquarium Rescue Unit band, and uh, he and I did, uh, he helped me with a harmony part and a banjo part on a song called Don't Go Away Sore. But that was uh, not the way to do a project. Uh, I don't want to do that again. But one of my all-time favorite vocal performances of you or if not the, my favorite one is on that record and Which, that's the title track to me oh, that's like South of Eden that's probably my favorite vocals of one of my favorite songs of yours for sure well thank you and you got some interesting stuff I surrender you got an instrumental on there because Poblano that is is beautiful you know yeah I, I stupidly forgot to mention Chuck Lavelle a, a long time friend Scott Boyer, Chuck Lavelle, and, and myself all shared a, a house on Pierce Avenue in Macon back when Chuck uh, was just beginning. I think he got just had gotten the job playing with uh, Mac Revenant, Dr. John, at, at that time. So, uh, and Scott and I, of course, were on the road with Cowboy, and Chuck was out with... Uh, he was out before that with Alex Taylor a lot, and uh, Chuck played some beautiful piano on uh, the only instrumental I've ever uh, recorded, yeah. Poblano, which is... Your favorite pepper. My favorite uh, <laughs> Mexican dish, although Pollo Ranchero is taking it over quickly. But stuffed Poblano peppers, if they're done right, are mucho, mucho bueno. Yeah. So, ever since you came back from Luxembourg, you've pretty much focusing, been focusing on your solo career. But every now and then, the ghosts of your past yes. keep haunting you in different forms. First of all, you along with Scott Boyer, Johnny Sandlin, Paul Hornsby, Leroy Purnell, Bill Stewart, and Bonnie Bramlett, I guess. Yeah. The... the Capricorn rhythm, rhythm section. section, yeah, and you cut a live album with Johnny, and, yeah, and played out. How was it, you know? Oh, that was going back to that. That was great. I mean, because we're all so close through the years, and um, it was great to do a project. It was it was great to see. First of all, it was great to see Johnny out playing, because he hadn't done that and. I, I guess he was out in the early 90s some with the decoys, I guess. For a little while. When I was in Europe, I don't know how much... Uh, I didn't really ever ask Scott or Johnny about how much they played together as the decoys. But uh, it was great to be playing with Johnny. Well, everybody, you know. And what a band, you know. I mean, like, hard to beat. Yeah. Hard to beat the solidarity there. 
and all those songs all of you could draw from too that's another thing it's just like yeah all the eddie hinton stuff and scott stuff and my stuff and leroy had a couple tunes on the live album and uh we uh that too didn't last so long um i think we played one two four gigs five but did that lead to that first cowboy reunion or is that two different things um I don't think it necessarily, I guess, see, I had come back from Europe at that time, and you're talking about 04, 05, I yeah. think, and I had been back, I was in Florida for a year, and then and then um, I got back into Atlanta with my uh, wonderful wife, Patty. We reunited also. We used to... We were together in 1980 and kind of had to go our separate ways back then and then reunite, reunited. Uh, when I came back from Europe, we ran into each other. And uh, Gadsden is where we were doing the um, Capricorn Rhythm Section stuff, uh, playing at a blues cl club there called the Second Street Blues. And... Uh, I guess when we were, I was around Johnny that much then, Scott and I and Johnny were all together, Johnny had the idea, you know, let's, I wonder if we could get all the original members of Cowboy back together and, and do it, do another one. We did that, and I must say, it was a wonderful thing, and it was like something like 38 years between albums. Yeah, and he took... Over 10 years from it, those first sessions to the record coming out. We recorded in November of 07 with all the original members. And then we did some songs with uh, uh, close friends through the years. Randall Bramlett, Bill Stewart, Charlie Hayward, Kelvin Holly, Ricky Hirsch. David Hood. From Wet Willie, David Hood. Uh... All those guys joined Scott and I, and uh, we did some more songs. Uh, there are four songs on the album by all the six original members. And uh, George Clark, it turns out, uh, passed away, oh, I don't know, seven or eight months after we did those sessions. But it took, a, as you said, it took another nine years or ten years to uh, finally... It was hung up on on business business legalities for many of those years, and uh, when that was finally taken care of, thank goodness uh, we finished it all up before Johnny and Scott had to move on to bigger and better things. And in the meantime, Cowboy started doing live reunions every now and then. Usually yeah, with well, well, we did one in twenty ten. We did a, we did, we recorded the live one in, in Macon, Georgia in September, I think, of 2010. And uh, we did two or three other reunion gigs. 
Yeah, and I actually met you at one of those. You did one yeah. at Chastain Park, maybe. Oh yeah, Chastain Park in Atlanta. Like we did a, a night of. Uh, it was called the Capricorn Experience, and yeah. uh, Bruce Hampton was there, and Chuck, and most of Sea Level was there. Wet Willie was there, and Cowboy was there. Is that it? Colonel Bruce came up and sat in on one of the Colonel Bruce sang with Cowboy. Uh, uh, but yeah, I think that, that was it. And it was a great night of music. It was fun. Yeah. I was already friends with Scott. And I yeah. came down with him. And that's how we met. That's how we met. And then shortly after that, Scott got sick for the, I guess, for the first time. Uh, severely. And then when he came back from being sick, the two of you with... And see third when you played at the Thirty Eight Songwriters Festival, a songwriter type yeah. of show. Yeah, and I was there in the audience too, and I'm like, I would like to capture this. And then maybe a year or so later, we got the opportunity to actually record one of those performances. Yeah, at the Nut House in Muscle Shoals. Yeah, that was a, a good night. And Very good. it was kind of almost similar than what you mentioned about the the live al album that you did in Athens. Yeah. there's like. We didn't go in because we wanted to make, to make a record, an album. but I was yeah. like, while we're in here, let's record. While we're playing, we might as well record it and see what happens, yeah. And uh, I'm still really proud of that yeah, it's moment. A, you I, know, it's, you did a wonderful job on that in every way, and uh, uh, the spirit of the crowd and the night and uh, the music was all happening, yeah. It's neat. Yeah. And after that, we, you know, we, we became friends, that I'm proud to say. I am proud too. And we got to work on different things. One, just, and we're almost at the end here, and I know I've uh, been monopolizing your time here for a while. But uh, That's fine. We did a, a tribute night to the, to the band and to the last waltz. Yeah, uh, yeah. To commemorate the 40th anniversary of the last waltz. And I asked you and Scott to both be featured performers on it. And that to me was a fun night too because we got to revisit the songs that Levon recorded right. of yours among band classics. Yeah, that was cool. And uh, What a band that night. That was a fun band for sure. And, uh, you know, you mentioned it earlier, we lost Johnny and for me especially losing Scott pretty much a year ago that was uh while i guess the writing was on the wall somewhat it certainly came as a surprise to me uh, it'll be a year in three days so uh anyways just uh i'm just really you know proud of the fact that we got well that i got to work with the two of you on certain well, things well i'm glad you and i are still working together. and and we that's have, what I was about to say. I'm even more excited about, you know, what all we can do. Come. We've uh, got we've got a lot of work to do. We better, yeah, stop talking and right. Go to work. Work. Get those guitars out of the corner. <laughs> Dust them off. Get them vibrating. Yeah. Anyway, but to to cap this off, thank you so much for those past couple hours. You know, sharing your history in such an extensive way with me and with all the listeners. And uh, I just I wish you all the best of luck, especially health-wise, too. 
and uh, yeah, I just you. look forward to all uh, all the music that I you know even if I'm not not part of it I'm just like looking forward to hearing more Tommy Talk music well thank you Andreas it's great we'll do it we'll do it we'll do it together all right well thank you so much and, all right uh, thank you and thanks y'all for listening uh, until, treat each other kind yeah until next time all right This was the 49th episode of the Crazy Chester Radio Hour. We taped it at Tommy Talton's house outside of Atlanta. If you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure to check out our earlier episodes and subscribe to the Crazy Chester Radio Hour on iTunes or check it out on YouTube, SoundCloud, TuneIn or Stitcher. That's it for today. Until next week.